Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say or you can speak to the mountain. Move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith, he said, you speak to the mountain. You release your word of faith to the mountain. Tell it to move. And he said, nothing will be impossible for you. So that's how we exercise faith. One of the ways, not saying the only way, but one of the ways we exercise faith is by speaking to the mountain. You speak to it. Jesus taught us to do that. He said, if you have faith, You speak to your mountain, tell it to move, and it will move. And so we train ourselves on purpose to speak words of faith. We do that on purpose. All right. Why don't we rise up to our feet and make a declaration this morning. I want you to hold your Bible in your hands. Say this out loud with me. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe his word and I live by his word. Christ is my master and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning, what I want to do, as we would normally do on the first Sunday of the new year, is to quickly review the word of the Lord that we shared on New Year's Eve service. The Word of the Lord for 2011. just want to quickly review that for the benefit of those who missed the New Year's Eve service and for those of us who slept through the service. (laughs) Just to remind us of the Word that, that God has spoken for us this year. Now, when we say the Word of the Lord, bringing a Word from God, from the heart of God for us as a people, I just want to repeat or reiterate that this is not the only thing that God is going to be doing this year. It's just a word that God says, I want you to focus on this because this is something very predominant that's going to take place in your life. This is what I want to be doing among you. But of course, God will be doing several other things in our life as individual, in our lives as individuals and as a church. So hearing the word of the Lord does not eliminate other things that God will be doing amongst us. You know, for 2010, the year gone by, we said it's a year of reconciliation and restoration. And many of us have experienced that, especially in area of relationships and things that have been taken away from us being restored into our lives. And uh, I just want to remind us, as we said on the New Year's Eve service, God has not stopped being the God of reconciliation and restoration. Amen? He continues to be the God of restoration and reconciliation in our lives. So continue believing God for that in areas where you need to see that happen. Continue looking to God on that. So let's quickly review the word of the Lord for 2011. We declared in New Year's Eve service that this is a year of harvest. 2011 is a year of harvest. 
key scriptures that we looked at. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. It says that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And those who continually go forth weeping will bring their bearing seed for sowing will surely come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. So what, what, what we've been sowing in tears in time past, whether it's in the year or years that have gone by, what you've been sowing with much pain and, and effort and energy and investment, he says, you will now reap with joy. And those of us who've gone forth bearing precious seed, will doubtless, will surely come again with rejoicing, bringing our harvest with us. Another key scripture we looked at is Jeremiah 5.24, which says, Let us now fear the Lord our God who gives, gives rain, both the former and the latter rain in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of harvest. God reserves for us our harvest. And we say that this year, 2011, is a year that God has reserved as a year of harvest for you and me. To reap of all that we've been sowing in time gone by. That God will cause us to come in to our harvest. Four main areas to expect harvest. And I'm just quickly reviewing here. A harvest of all that you've sown in the spirit. A harvest of your generous and sacrificial giving. A harvest in your professional work life. And a harvest of souls into the kingdom. And these are not the only areas. But these are focus areas where we say God will release harvest I encourage you to believe God for harvest in these areas of life. You see, God is the God of harvest. He is the one who set harvest in place. In Genesis 8 and verse 22, God says, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will never cease. God has ordained that every seed time be followed by a harvest time. And so for all the seed times of your life, every sowing that you've done in your life, there is an appointed harvest. And God ensures that, that you will receive your harvest. In Zechariah 8.12, God says, The seed will be prosperous. The wine will give its fruit. The ground will give its increase. The heavens will give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess these things. God says, I will cause people to possess it. The seeds you have sown, God says it will be prosperous. They will not be waned. They will not be empty seeds. But seeds that will bear fruit for you and me. So to quickly review the four areas. The harvest of all that you and I have sown in the spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. God is not mocked that whatever a man sows he will reap. If you sow to the flesh you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit you will reap eternal life. Therefore do not lose heart. Do not become weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you do not faint. So don't get tired of doing good. What is doing good? You're sowing into the Spirit. That's doing good. Don't get tired of sowing into the Spirit. Because when you sow in the Spirit, you will reap what is eternal. When you sow to the gratification of just your flesh, it's going to lead to corruption, decay, decline. But when you sow into the Spirit, you're going to reap something that's eternal. So don't quit. Sowing into the Spirit. How do you sow into the Spirit? Through prayer, through time in the Word, pursuing the kingdom of God, pursuing righteousness, serving the purposes of God in your life, submitting to the will of God in your life, eliminating things that do not please God. All these are ways that you're sowing into the Spirit. And every time you sow into the Spirit, God says, you will reap what is eternal. Now the problem or the challenge with sowing into the Spirit is you're sowing into something that's unseen. 
when you're sowing into the natural, you can see, you can, you, it's very tangible. You can feel it. You can see it. It's got numbers on it. It's got figures on it. It's got pictures on it. But when you're sowing into the spirit, much of it is unseen. When you spend time in prayer, it's just time gone. When you spend time on the word, when you, time, when you align yourself to the will of God, when you yield yourself to the will of God, all this, when you're sowing into the spirit, much of it is unseen. You cannot see what you're sowing into, neither can you see an immediate change or an effect of what you've done. But the Bible says you will reap what is eternal when you sow into the realm of the unseen. So don't give up. Don't get tired of sowing in the realm of the spirit. This year, you will see a harvest of all that you've been sowing in the realm of the spirit. A harvest of your generous and sacrificial giving. What you've released for the sake of the kingdom of God. Your money, your time, your effort, your energy. What you've given for the kingdom. What you've given for the saints of God. You will receive a harvest. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of water to one of these, you will receive your rewards. Amen? And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 6 and verse 10 that God is not unjust to forget our labor of love. And what we have shown towards the name, his name, and those, and, and have ministered to the saints and continue to do minister, to minister. God will not forget what you've done for his people and his kingdom. He's a rewarder. Number three, there's a harvest in our professional life. God wants us to enjoy the labor of our hands. And many of us have been working hard in our place of work as, as loyal employees of Christ. And we know that we are ministers of God in the workplace. We are not just there to make money, but we are there to make, uh, have impact and influence for the kingdom of God. And so we've been faithful in our workplace, doing what, whatever we've been given to do. Even if it means staying long hours, putting extra effort, you've been faithful. And then you say, God, what is the reward of all of this work? And God is saying to us that this year, you will enjoy the fruit of the labor of your hands. Because thus shall the man be blessed who fears God. Psalm 128 verses 1 and 2. So expect reward for your faithfulness in the workplace, in your professional life, and, and several of the scriptures that we went through. Number four, we said that this will be a year of harvest of souls into the kingdom of God. That just as in the Old Testament, we saw the, the feast of the first fruits, and then 50 days later, there was a feast of the harvest, a feast of Pentecost. And when the church was born, God so timed it, that on the day of Pentecost, which is the feast of the harvest, the Holy Spirit was poured out and there was an ingathering of 3,000 souls as a result of one sermon. So in harvest time, there's an ingathering of souls and we're going to see an exceptional increase in the number of people being saved and added this year. And so we must prepare for that. What must we do during harvest time? Several things we mentioned. First, we must fight for our harvest. Harvest time is also a time when thieves and predators of crops are attracted because they want to take of the fruits. And so you've got to fight for your harvest. Don't let your harvest be taken away, stolen, or destroyed. Fight for your harvest through focused faith. You zero in and say, God, this are, these are areas where I must receive harvest. And you focus your faith and believe God for your harvest in those areas of life. Harvest time is also a busy time. It's not a time to sit back and relax because you've just got a certain window of opportunity in which you need to go out and bring the harvest in, uh, thresh the grain and put them away in your barns, gathering the harvest. So it's a busy time. It's not a time to sit back and relax. So get ready to be busy this year because it's harvest time. Amen? Tell a neighbor, get ready to be busy. The Bible says in Proverbs 10 and verse 5, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. 
So tell your neighbor, don't sleep in the harvest. It's harvest time. Can't afford to sleep. Harvest time is also a messy time. Things may be in a state of flux. A little out of order, messy, you know, in some part of the field, you're, you're, you're cutting your crops, in other part of the field, you're threshing grain, and there's all the, the chaff and all of that flying out, and then you're gathering in the grains there, you're threshing it somewhere else, and then you're gathering it into your barns. A lot of activity is going on. Things may seem a little disorderly, uh, but permit that because it's harvest time. It's very natural. And finally, during harvest time, we said we must prepare to share. Leviticus 23, verse 22, God said, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap. Nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. In other words, during harvest time, leave on purpose things for other people to come in and enjoy. The poor, the needy, the stranger. Let them come in and share of your harvest. We also said that this year of harvest, you and I can sow and reap in one year. Amen? Sow and reap this year. A great example is that of Isaac. In Genesis 26 verse 12, the Bible says, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. So sow and reap in one year. On purpose, sow your seed in different areas of your life. Begin to invest purposefully. Sow and expect the harvest. Sow into the spirit. Sow into the kingdom of God. Sow into your workplace into your professional life, and so into seeing souls saved so that you could see people come into God's kingdom. And then we gave three action points. We said, write down areas in your life where you desire to receive a harvest. Say, God, these are areas where I must receive a harvest in my life. I want to see a harvest. Second, we said, write down what you need to do to be ready to receive your harvest. What should you do when the harvest comes in? How do you go about getting ready for that? Write it down. And thirdly, pronounce harvest time over your life. Declare it's harvest time. Amen? So let's take a moment to pray right now. After this, I'll give you the message. (laughs) I want us to take a moment to pray just between you and the Lord. And just focus in and say, God, these are areas where I want to see harvest in my life. I've been sowing. I've been faithful doing what I know I'm supposed to do. I want you to focus your faith right now. And say, God, these are areas where I must see harvest. And then I want you to also listen to the Lord and listen to His instruction. What you must do to receive your harvest. The Holy Spirit might prompt you in certain ways. Saying, you need to make these changes in your life. You need to adjust, make these adjustments in your life in order to receive your harvest. So listen to Him. And Father, in Jesus' name, we pronounce harvest time in our lives in every area of life. In every facet of life, we pronounce a harvest time, Lord. Because you said that the seed will be prosperous. The wine will bear its fruit. The land will give its produce. The heavens will give the dew. And that you will cause your people to possess all these things. So let there be a harvest in every area of our lives. Let your Holy Spirit move powerfully. Causing this to come into being in each area of our lives. For each one of us, Father, we pray. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Tell your neighbor, get ready for your harvest. Amen. This morning, I just want to bring a simple word of encouragement before we close. You know, we are beginning a new year. And in fact, it's a new decade. 2011, 2000, 
20. Another decade that we're entering into. I want to talk to us very briefly about life dreams. You probably heard me talk about it or address the subject from different ways, but it's good to just talk about it again and just remind ourselves of life dreams. And when I use the word dreams, I'm not talking about what happens in the night when you're fast asleep and your mind is at work and you know you you awake with having seen a movie that you never paid for. And uh, you have these pictures on in your mind. It's, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's just totally garbage and you have to throw it out. I'm not referring to those kinds of dreams, although in some measure that is involved. But when I'm talking about life dreams, when I'm talking about dreams, I'm talking about a picture of your future that you carry in your imagination here and now in the present. I'm talking about a picture that you paint in your imagination of your desired outcome, of what you will be, or what you desire to be, or what you desire to do and accomplish sometime in your future. It could be a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That doesn't matter. I'm talking about those kinds of dreams. And what you and I must understand is that dreams is one of the languages of the realm of the spirit. Dreams is one of the heavenly languages. See, God speaks to us in so many ways, in a variety of ways. Number one is that God speaks to us through his written word. This is indisputable. This is the final way that God speaks, the absolute way that God speaks. His written word, we do not question it. This is final authority. God speaks to us in his word. If there's a command in his word, it's meant to be obeyed. No debates about it. But God also speaks to us in other ways. He speaks to us by the inward witness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you as a believer bears witness to your spirit. Meaning, He testifies to your spirit. He speaks to you. Jesus said He will guide you into all things. He will show you things to come. So through the inward witness, inner impressions, uh, the, the words that are released in your spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That is God speaking to you. God communicates to us that way. And one of the languages of the Spirit is dreams. Dreams are one of the ways that the Spirit of God speaks to us. Meaning, He releases pictures into our imagination. A picture is worth a thousand words. So in one picture that the Holy Spirit inspires onto the canvas of your imagination, He can communicate what He may need to tell you in a thousand words. Are you with me? Dreams are a language of the Holy Spirit. It dreams are a part of God's heavenly communication mechanism to you and me. So these are very imp- it's important for us to understand the dreams and the and the place they have, the pictures that we carry in our imagination. They're very important. We are living in a time the Bible says where there will be an abundance of visions and dreams. Acts the second chapter verses 17 and 18 God says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What are visions? What are dreams? At the end of it, it's a mental picture that God has communicated to you. That's what a vision is. That's what a dream is. So in this season of the outpouring, God is saying, young people and older people alike will receive pictures of destinies. Pictures of what they can become, what they can do, of the purposes of God, of the, of the strategies of God. They will receive visions and dreams. Amen? 
That's the season that we are in as a, as a church, as the body of Christ. In these last days, he said, I will pour out my spirit. God speaks to us through dreams. And there is so many scriptures in the Bible that tell us about that. But one, one simple, one example we can pick easily is that of Joseph. As a young teenage boy, God gave him two pictures. In one picture he saw, and this was, you know, motion picture because in one picture he saw that the sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed down to him. In another picture he saw that the sheaves of corn of his father and his mother, his brothers, they all bowed down to his sheaf of corn. Two pictures he had in his mind. Where did it come from? God. What was it? It was his life dream. This is what's going to happen for you, Joseph. And God was speaking well ahead of time. So you can imagine Joseph carrying on the canvas of his imagination two paintings that were hanging there all the time. One, the sun, the moon, 11 stars bobbing before him. Another, these sheaves of corn bobbing before his sheaf of corn. He had it. He must have replayed it over and over again. Pause. Stop. Replay. Start. Playing it over and over again in his mind. Life dreams come from God. So dreams are ways by which God communicates to us. What I want us to understand is that dreams are also ways by which we communicate back to God. See, you can communicate to God in prayer. What is prayer? You giving words to God. It could be verbalized or it could be in your thoughts. So you pray by words. But you can also pray through pictures. Are you all with me? So your pictures, the dreams that you carry, are you communicating back to God saying, God, this is what I want to go after. And that's what faith is all about. Because Hebrews 11 in verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. How do you hope for things? You paint them as a picture in your minds. Are you with me? If you desire to see yourself become something, do something, go someplace, accomplish something else, it's something that you hope for. What do you do? You paint it as a picture in your mind. You bring your future into your present as a dream, as a picture. And the Bible says, faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. Faith is what gives life, gives reality, gives substance to that picture that you're carrying inside you. Amen. So this dream is your way of giving back to God and saying, God... This is what I want you to help me accomplish here on earth. This is what I'm going after. This is what I focus my faith on. So dreams are a two-way communication. God communicates to you. You communicate to God. So it's very important what dreams you're hanging on the walls of your imagination. I hope they are big dreams. I hope they are dreams that are God-sized. I hope they are not dreams of poverty and failure and defeat, but they are dreams of triumph, success and accomplishment here on earth. Because the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or imagine. So I hope that you and I are giving to God big dreams because we communicate back to Him through those dreams, through those pictures that you carry in your hearts. Now, why are these so important? We can list several reasons, but I want to bring our attention to just one thing. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the literal Hebrew means a prophetic word. Where there is no inspired vision, inspired utterance, something that is God-given. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The people stop being productive. The people are lawless. They cast of all restraint. They wander here and wander there and never accomplish anything. 
So why is a dream? Why is a vision so important? Because you need that in order to be productive. In order to live a life that's worth living. In order to go somewhere, you need to have a vision. Because without a vision, people perish. Stop being productive. Amen. So it's important for us to have a life dream. Something that we've been able to paint on the pictures of our imagination, but we have received from God. It's an inspired vision, not wishful thinking. Are you with me? Just make sure your neighbor has not already entered into the realm of dreams. Just, you, know. you know, some people are very prompt at acting on the word. So where there is no vision, people perish. Stop being productive. So I want to encourage you and me. To receive from God an inspired vision, an inspired dream. It's not just wishful thinking we just make up. But as you go before God, God reveals to you His dream, His vision, His purpose for your life. Amen. And God knows it. He's written it in His book, Psalm 139 says. Ephesians 2.10 says that He's already ordered our steps that we should walk in. He knows what He wants you to do in life. It's up to us, for you, up to you and me to go to God and say, God, I want an inspired vision so that I can be productive in my life here on earth. I can live a life that's worth living. I can live life with purpose. I want to share something personal from my own life. And I want to do it not, you know, to promote myself, but in order to inspire people. So please receive this with the right understanding that it is meant to inspire you, to provoke you in some way. And not to promote myself. When I look at my life, the past and the future, I like to live life in years of 10, in decades. And I look at my life in the past, I see decades, each decade carrying a specific objective and God doing something very specific in each of those decades. And so I sat down, I said, God, I want you to reveal to me what should be the objectives of the next four decades of my life. I want to put an objective down for each of the next four decades, starting with this decade, 2011 to 2020. I want to write down what will be the primary objective of this decade. That the next decade, 2021 to 2030, what is the objective, God, of my life? 2031 to 2040, what should be the objective of my life? 2041 to 2050, what should be the objective? You're saying, Pastor, you're hoping to live so long? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to make sure I exercise regularly. Eat right. No more Richie's biryani. Low on kebabs. I'm going to do my best to take care of my health so that I can fulfill all those objectives for the next four decades. Now, let's look at the past. And I look back at my past. I see, okay, from early childhood to the first 12 years of my life, you know, this was growing up years and there were moments when I was trying to seek God in, in, in some, some way. But in the next decade, 12 to 22, were amazing years. Because I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and I call them the, the foundation years. That decade was the laying of the foundation. I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, started praying in tongues, got turned on to the Word of God, spent hours every day. My dad will tell you, I'd get up in the morning at 4 and spend time till about seven, almost every day, seeking God. And uh, just praying, reading the Bible. And on weekends, most Saturdays will be spent uh, hidden out in the Methodist church, just seeking God, praying. But those were amazing years. Intense in the Word. Intense in the Spirit. And you know many of the things I preach now? I learned it then. There's nothing new. Why? Because the Bible hasn't changed over time. So, 
Those were foundation years. And it was amazing. Starting out prayer groups here and there and seeing God work and, and stepping out and the things that you're learning on the Spirit. Foundation years. The next 10 years was a decade of preparation. It was really tough. This is 1991 all the way to 2000. That decade, 10 years in the United States, tough years, but also rich in experience. Going through various things, in working with so many different cultures, people group, people from different regions, the, you know, South Americans and Africans and all kinds of people traveling to different places, ministering. It was rich in experience, rich. It was great preparation for what was to come. I can look back during the foundation years as a 15 year old, having a dream, a picture of what I wanted to do in the future. I didn't know when, but here was the picture. A picture of raising up a strong church in the city of Bangalore. A picture of going all across the nation of India. Raising up churches all across this nation and really impacting this nation. I had these pictures in my mind, uh, in my heart as a 15 year old. And later in the teenage years, I used to dream and dream about starting a company that would be established on biblical principles. In those days, I never heard about, you know, Work-life balance and workplace ministry and equipping workplace and, you know, God at work and faith at work. Never heard about all these things. But in my heart, there was a desire to establish a company that would be, that would be founded on Christian principles as a teenager. I remember the early 1990s writing and I said, you know, I'm going to go back to India, establish a church, start a company, do this. Did I know when it's going to happen? No. But I was just writing what was coming by inspiration. And now when I look back at the very last decade, in the end of 2000, we came back to India, 2001 to 2010, the last decade, was a decade of stepping into the dreams. Those two dreams that I carried of starting and establishing a church in the city of Bangalore, of establishing a company, those dreams I was able to step into. And God orchestrated everything. So when I look back, I can say with confidence that when you hear from God, you receive your dreams inspired by God, and you pursue them, God will bring it to pass. How? He knows how to do it. So here as I sat down, I said, God, show me what should be the objectives of each of the next four decades of my life. And to each objective, what is the purpose? And then I need to elaborate and write out the plan and action things on what, how I'm going to achieve those objectives. But I want to share these objectives with you, not to promote myself, but to underst- for help you understand, this is how that each decade builds upon the foundation of the previous decades. This decade, 2011 to 2020, a decade of coming in to my spiritual inheritance. You heard the message preached on the 26th of December, and the, the, the CDs will be available next Sunday. Of coming into our spiritual inheritance, personally, For me and for us as a church to come into everything that God has for his people. That it will not be something we look ahead and say, you know, that can happen. That can happen. But that we will come into it and walk in it, live it, experience it as people of God. That is coming in to our spiritual inheritance. So I said, God, this decade, this decade, as I hear from God, this decade will be a decade where we come into our inheritance, where we actually walk in the word of God, walk in the, every promise that God has put, because all his promises are, are meant to be a yes and an amen from us. They're not just to be good sermons, not just to be written about in books, and not just to be hung on walls. They're meant to be a yes and an amen, that in your life you can say a yes and an amen to every promise of God. By walking in them, living them, experiencing them. 
So this decade is the decade of coming into our inheritance. And I also said, God, in this city, I want to do something. I want to work towards city transformation. Not only just seeing our church build, but I was seeing our city changed. Because this decade will lay the foundation for the coming decades. The next decade, which is 21 to 30, will be a time of affecting cities and nations. So I will be more out than in. If you didn't understand it, you'll get a revelation. (laughs) The focus will be on cities. Going after cities in our nation and the nations of the world. And affecting cities and affecting nations. Because that is part of our calling. But what we do in this decade will lay the foundation for the next decade of how we can affect cities and nations for his kingdom. Now that does not mean that we will not be affecting cities and nations now. We will do it in some measure. We are already sending people out to start up churches in other cities and so on. We're doing that to some measure. But the next decade, the primary assignment is to affect cities and nations for Jesus Christ. And I said, Lord, what what about the next decade? He said, it's a time to affect nations and governments. It's a time to affect influencers, thinkers, leaders, people at the top. Begin to influence them. Because if you can influence them, you can influence everything that's under them. So the decade between 31 to 40 is a decade to affect nations and governments. Go after the people at the top. Go after the influencers. Go after the thinkers. And when you say, you know, pastor, what do you think is going to take you there? It's simply the favor of God. That's all you need. Why? Because David was a shepherd boy, but he ruled the kingdom. Daniel came from a foreign country, but he affected three nations. All you need is the favor of God. Joseph didn't go to Harvard, but he ruled and he oversaw an entire nation. Why? The favor of God and the gift of God. So how are you going to affect nations and governments? Walk in the favor of God. Build the gifts of God that God's put in you. It will make room for you. And I said, okay, Lord, what about the last decade? 41 to 50. It's a time for spiritual fathering. It's a time to spiritually mentor young men and women in the kingdom of God globally. Yes, we will mentor people. We are doing that already. We're mentoring young men, young men and women now. But it's all focused within our local church. But that decade will be for spiritual fathering globally. Mentoring young men and women across the globe. Imparting to them everything God's imparted to you. Amen. So, I sat down. I wrote these things. For each decade, here are the primary objectives. Now I need to start planning and preparing, getting myself ready in physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every facet of my life to see those things come to pass. If I look back, I can see very confidently what was written in my heart as a 15-year-old. God has allowed me to step into it and walk in it. Amen? And if you're with me when I'm 82, maybe I can look back and tell you God's been faithful. But the point I want to get across to you and me is this. You need to live life with purpose. Amen? You say, but Pastor Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't say, don't think about tomorrow. He didn't say, don't plan for tomorrow. There are many people who have no plans for tomorrow, but we're totally worried about tomorrow. Right? So it's a big difference between planning for tomorrow and worrying about tomorrow. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. It has got enough problems for itself. But you can plan. But you can receive dreams from God. Say, Pastor, I can't even see what tomorrow holds. My Bible tells me in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, that God knows what's in darkness because that he reveals deep and secret things. Because he knows what's in darkness and the light dwells with him. He changes times and his seasons. 
the times and seasons of your life are in His hands. And God reveals deep and secret things. He is willing to reveal to you what your decade is going to be about. He's willing to reveal to you what your next decade is going to be all about. He's ready to reveal to you. He knows what's in darkness. What's in darkness to you, God knows. Because light dwells with Him. The question is, are you willing to go to God and say, God, I want to live life according to divine purpose. So please speak to me. Reveal to me, God, what should be the objectives of this decade. As I enter into 2011 to 2020, God, I don't want just to, you know, roll along this decade or the end of another decade. Say, okay, I've been a rolling stone gathering no moss. You know? So I want to encourage you as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, get a life dream. Sit before God and say, God, show me what I must pursue this decade. Next decade, show me God. Write it down. And then attach to it some very specific goals and the plan and tasks. What must you do to get there? It's going to take some time. But when you live life with a purpose, you're living life worth living. Amen. This is a time to dream big. It's a time to believe God for big things. It's a time to dream about cities and nations and governments. It's a time for God's people to arise. Because there's nothing impossible for God. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.